And good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. We've got a bonus pod for you this evening. We've got a bonus pod. It's Thursday night as we record this. Europa League night for myself and Tom. <laughs> but uh, before we get into that, I'm going to introduce my guests this evening. Of course, Mr. Rick Hyatt is here. How are you doing, Rick? Uh, I'm sort of shell-shocked, but yes, glad to be here. Excellent. Well, well, we'll touch on that a little bit later, shall we, if you like? Only if we must. And just going as a trio this evening, of course, completing the trio, it's Scott McFred Belay we're going with tonight. How you doing? It's morphing. It's it's getting worse, and I'm trying to think of more combinations for it. I'm very good, thank you very much. Excellent. Rick did point out just before we started... Last season, the pivot of Manchester United's midfield was, of course, McFred. So, uh, version 2.0, Rick. Yeah, a, a delightful addition. I'm a one-man wrecking machine. I'll do the jobs of two people. You are more competent than they were, so that's fine. <laughs> this has be your last season doing podcasts on Three Valleys before you're off to Turkey in the summer, Tom. Yes, this, this is true. <laughs> well... As I say, it is a bonus pod because um, there was a special podcast that was now available on Free Valleys and all the usual places where A.D. Hopper spoke to former Yeovil Town uh, player Kevin Gall and Paul Thorpe were joined by uh, current Wrexham captain who had also had a spell at Yeovil Town, Ben Tozer. So uh, do have a little look at that one ahead of the game on Sunday. But I think that's where we'll pick it up as well chaps because it is a big game uh yeovil town fa cup second round the giant killers of course but they're playing wrexham who are also giant killers in their own right a completely different set of scenarios now when you look at where yeovil are and what what has happened over at wrexham with their hollywood ownership rick start with you um firstly what was your feeling when you saw yeovil getting pulled out of the FA Cup draw when you saw that it was Wrexham away? What was your first initial reactions all those weeks ago? Uh, first initial reaction was bugger. Could have done with a nice easy <laughs> one and then get into the third round and get a, a really big tie. But uh, it wasn't to be. So this is, is one, of the, uh, one of the glamour ties of the second round, streaming live on the very, very reliable ITVX. So I'm sure everyone will enjoy that. But I don't bother with that. Just listen to it's, uh, Scott McFred Bailey and Gav Cheatham, I think, doing commentary for us. So that's going to be a preferable option anyway. But uh, yeah, I just thought it was just so frustrating that, you know, you could have got, Yeovil could have got another really, really one of the real big boys. But this will do. This will do. Yeah, Tom, you're going to be there for Three Valleys Radio in the commentary box. Um, first of all, just from a personal perspective, how much are you looking forward to it? Um, I don't think I've actually been more excited for a football game, genuinely, at least in my short time as, as a, well, a follower of Yeovil. This is going to be the biggest stadium I've been to as a Yeovil fan, if you exclude Wembley. I'm really looking forward to it. And I think even if we do lose, which we'll get onto that, I think <laughs> it's going to be a great day out, even if the travel will be a long way. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be the first time this season that Yeovil will have been the team playing in front of a, a crowd they're not used to playing in front of, if that makes sense. Normally, Yeovil have got the advantage in the National League South because they've got the biggest, 
biggest ground and the highest attendances. And now they're going to go step up a level and they'll be the ones playing in unfamiliar circumstances. We'll go back to being little old Yeovil. Yeah. I like that. I think it will probably be a bit of a strange atmosphere as well, Tom, because their main cop stand is actually completely demolished now as they look to redevelop it. So that might, it just might be interesting to see if that does have an effect on the atmosphere, that they're going to have a huge gap um, at one end of the pitch. Yeah, it's a it's a strange look now. I I don't know what they're planning to do or how big it's going to be when they f- finish doing whatever they're going to do with it. But it's l- almost like a horseshoe stadium now. I'm not sure where they put the what where they'll put the away fans. I would assume on next to the goal on the main stand side. So it'd be like we would with the Screwfix stand. But I'm not sure. Well, um, we'll wait and see. But I know there's about 750, 800 people going. So there's going to be a good following and. Uh, They'll need to reserve plenty of seats for us. Yeah, just quickly on that, Rick. What have you, what have you made of the 750 tickets sold that was announced earlier today? Because maybe I'm just a hard man to please, but I actually thought that there'd be a few more kicking around on that. But I suppose you've got to look at the fact that it's a, it's a Sunday and the fact that it's on te- well, sort of on telly and a half, if you see what I mean, being on yeah. the streaming service. Has that sort of had a little bit of an impact on who might think actually... It's just easier to do that than go up and actually watch it in person. I don't know. Isn't it supposed to be in the uh, in the FA Cup? Aren't you supposed to have ten percent of the capacity? So I think that's, that's right. That's not ten percent. Well, I think we've just not sold out our capacity. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think they've their stadium's about ten k, and we were allocated eleven hundred. I think. Oh, right. There you go. I know we were allocated that much for Bath as well, but um, that's, yeah, that's I think we were sold out now. If it's not already, isn't it, Bath? Yeah, yeah, it's close. Listen, it's really good support. We know that. It would be great if we could get a few more and try and make it as electric as possible. In terms of the game itself, Rick, we know that it's going to be a tough ask, regardless of, you know, Yeovil's form. All right, they're going into this off the back of a 4-1 defeat and then the draw before that, which is not ideal. But Wrexham, you know, they've got bigger fish to fry themselves, haven't they? You know, Yeovil want to get out of their division, but Wrexham are very much on course to try and get to the at least the championship at the soonest available opportunity. So maybe the hope's there for Yeovil to try and catch them on an off day. Yeah, but it's the FA Cup, isn't it? Listening to Ben on the other on the other pod, I think the, the gist I got from what he was saying was that they are taking it fairly seriously and uh, it's it's a team... Although we played them last season, it's a team from a couple of divisions away. So you'd expect that they'd, they'd be very, very disappointed if they didn't progress from this one into the third round proper and then have, have, a, have a go at one of the bigger teams maybe themselves. So I, think, I don't think they're going to be uh, any mugs, put it that way. Tom, do you have the kind of same feeling going into this that, you know, as much as Yeovil will kind of see this as an opportunity to get themselves into round three. And of course, it will be a big ask. It'll be one of the shocks of the weekend, probably. And it'll be one of the biggest stories. But by the same token, um, Ben Toes has been on three valleys this week and he's just been saying to, to A.D. Hopper exactly how seriously they're looking to take it because they had a good run last season, want to take it further and they're probably going to be bang up for it just as well as Jova on Sunday. Yeah, they will. They'll, they'll want to get any bonus money they can. And it gets their name out there even more and the brand that they push. So I think both teams will be will definitely be up for it. Of course, Yeovil having that history kind of puts them in the default bracket of they're going to be up for it as well. 
obviously Wrexham have had that giant killing reputation as well. So it's going to be, a, a, I think it's going to be a good game regardless. And I think, yeah, it needs to be taken seriously, not only by Wrexham, but also by Yeovil, because both teams would want to get to that third round where, of course, the, the holy grail with, with a bigger team. But we've said all the way through with this cup run that it's a good chance because Yeovil are doing so well in the National League South. You know, the last two rounds have been a good opportunity to test yourself against teams from the National League and see see exactly where Yeovil are in in relation to them. So it's just another another step further along that, I guess. You know, it's it's another team from another higher division again. So we'll see where Yeovil are actually in in the grand scheme of things, rather than just in the National League South, which seems to be, uh, don't want to jinx it, it, seems to be fairly manageable at the moment, shall we say, last week uh, aside. In a positive light as well, when we played them last year, obviously they were the champions in the end that season, um, we drew at home to them in a respectable one-all draw. Obviously, Linton got his wonder goal, and I didn't watch it because I was busy drowning in my own sorrows, but it was a, apparently we put up a good fight in the away leg as well, so... We gave him a good game both times round, both with different managers, yes, but we're not any pushovers against this Wrexham side, so it gives us reason to be positive going into it. We played with a terrible team last year. Now we're on our feet. You never know. You touched on a good point there, Tom, because you actually look at the recent history between the two sides. Yeah, we've not actually done too badly, home or away. There was, I remember there was a three-all in the first season back at, at that level okay it was a completely different Wrexham at that, at that point um but not long after the takeover when they were just sort of finding their feet and at the very start of their recruitment we went up there and won 2-0 and Josh Staunton got a pretty good goal I seem to remember when he was on the pid, uh, pod we were taking the mick out of him saying that he's probably going to have full interviews and highlights of his goal on there on the, on what was their first season of um <laughs> uh, welcome to Wrexham on on Disney, so I think generally they cut speaking, him out as we've, well, done, didn't they? we've done okay. He, was, Sorry, he wasn't in it. He wasn't in it at all. They cut him out. No, it's all they skipped no. past that game. Yeah. Though what was interesting is on their latest series, they did reference the Oval Town as being their hardest game because it was the game that I yeah. think Tom, if I'm right, it nudged them above Notts County. It was a midweek game, and then I think they won the league on the Saturday. Um, I think so. And I think that's why it was, it was such a big game and we were frustrating. I think at half time it was still nil-nil and um, they were starting to rush everything. But then in the end, they they came good and the quality was just a little bit too much in the end. But if Yeovil can keep it tight, then, hey, we've been saying that why, why not a replay and then possibly do it all again uh, in about 10 days time? Or, or Tom, maybe it will even be Bath moved again and, and Yeovil Wrexham will be slotted in Um the week after they play on Sunday, maybe. I want to do it just to see their tears. <laughs> That's all I want. But no, I would I would hope it's sorted in 90 minutes and um, hopefully in favour of Yeovil. And on that point then, Scott, come on then. Ooh. What do you think? I was hoping we would just move on to the predictions, but I... I <laughs> That's That's true. That's true. I've walked into that one. <laughs> I'm going to say, and as much as I don't want it to be, I think it's going to be a 2-1 Wrexham. I think they're just going to have a bit too much quality. Um, but I think we're going to give it a bloody good go and they will receive their standing ovation that they so strongly deserve. Yeovil, that is. I have two predictions. My real, the, What I really think is going to happen is probably, I think it might even be 3-1 to Wrexham. 
But in my head, I have convinced myself that it's a, it's a draw, it's a replay, and I am reunited with Freddie McTombley as the FA Cup home tie commentating duo, and we get that gig. That's what I'd like to happen. And then we'll win. And then we'll win, obviously, because we're unbeaten, mate. So, uh, you know, that's what we do. Or, or of course, it could be a draw, which, which you predict, and then it will be Sci-Fire and Gav Cheatham in the box. You just never know. You never know with these things. That's the beauty of a prediction. Uh, we, need, we need to have a word with whoever it is that sorts out the commentator's rotor, don't we, David? <laughs> uh, yes, we do. Yes. If only we had a uh, commentary team manager. Is I believe is the title. <laughs> Go on, then. What do you reckon? Um, unfortunately, I do think it's my my head is saying probably about three or four one Wrexham to be quite honest. But if Yeovil are to win it, they're going to have to try and keep a cleanie, aren't they? It have to be a one nil and defend it for pretty much the whole game. So <laughs> one one draw. Oh. <laughs> And then you can join us right here on Free Valleys Radio as we talk you through the replay. Absolutely. How about that then, eh? Yeah. How about that? Well, we'll move on to a little bit of European flavour tonight. Seeing as it's only the three of us, we're probably going to get through the predictions of the Premier League quite swiftly. But Rick Hyatt, fear not, because we're going to start on Tuesday, where I think we need to discuss Paris Saint-Germain against newcastle your favorite of course saudi versus qatar um that must have really put yourself in a bit of a position of where you thought i'm not really sure who i'm rooting for here maybe the one one draw was the perfect result for you yeah it was very similar to the premier league game on saturday when when liverpool played man city i was either in a in a win-win or a lose-lose situation and it turns out that uh qatar have got more money than abu dhabi no, Saudi Arabia, isn't it? Saudi Arabia. Yeah, who knew? Who knew? Um, come on, Emmerich. We're going to have to talk about that decision. <laughs> I think there's two ways of looking at it, because I think we're all in agreement that we'd all be absolutely sickened if it was against us. But at the same time, I think we all knew that they were going to give it as well. And I don't know what that really, really says and what that really tells us. Is that kind of how you saw it as well? It was inevitable because uh, as a supporter of a team that had been on the wrong end of two of those in the last uh, last two seasons, it, the handball is interpreted differently in Europe. So that's the standard they've set, although they didn't seem to go by it last night when uh, Bayern Munich were de- denied what looked like a similar sort of situation. So whether they've had a rethink over that, I don't know. But once... The ball. The thing is, their interpretation in Europe is wrong. And if you remember, was it last season, season before? We we had that same interpretation in the Premier League, and everybody moaned about it. So they changed it. And I think that this is happening so frequently now, and so unfairly now, that UEFA might have to have a look at that and say, you know, if it is a deflection onto the arm, then it's then it's not a handball because the. The, the actual um, definition of a handball that results in a penalty is a deliberate handball. And that from that range, that there's no way that could have been deliberate. I'm guessing you have the same thoughts as that, um, Tom? Yeah, it's possibly one of the worst decisions I think I've ever seen. Um, as much as it's funny to bash on the Saudi Arabians, uh, if that happened to me, I think I would need a new TV. It's That was 
one the fact it's again definitely it one back, of those isn't it definitely it goes back to the freeze frame again we're refereeing off freeze frames and re-refereeing the game it's bounced off his stomach it that's not even according to the rules of the game that is not a penalty and the fact he was two yards away as well like it yeah. wasn't just a case of it ricocheted it ricocheted yeah. from such a close proximity it, it felt like there was two wrong decisions in the in I that saw, split second i saw people citing the the ericsson handball against by munich and the only reason i said that was a penalty was because it hit his arm straight away and it's unfortunate and in any other world it would be but by Leicester, of the law it is a handball as much as it's extremely harsh and i think it's a bad call whereas this one by letter of the law is actually not a penalty and they've still given it as a penalty but united is... had one of those last season in uh, europa league which meant that they didn't top their group and had to play the game against barcelona as a qualifying a yeah. qualifying game it's, that's it's the inconsistent they didn't top and it's their group. yeah it's it's inconsistent and poor but ref's going to ref i suppose but having said that, you see the XG for both teams after that game. Oh, no, I didn't. 0.2, I imagine. Yeah, 0.2 plays 6.3. So it's sort of, to get out of that with a draw, you'd think that they'd, uh, they'd done quite well. Sorry, 6.3? I don't know. I might have made that up. It was a lot. Oh. <laughs> they had something like Oh, 30. no, it is a lot. They had 30-odd shots. Yeah, PSG 4.54 XG versus Newcastle's 1.29. There you go. It wasn't a million miles away. Crikey. It it changes things slightly, doesn't it? Because at the end of the day, they're still going to have to have hope on the other game, aren't they? To try and get themselves through. They need to beat AC Milan at home and hope that PSG don't win in Dortmund. So a draw yeah. and Newcastle win still puts them through. Yeah, exactly so, that. So, yeah, that, the tightest of group has gone down uh, to the absolute wire, which we suspected it would do. Rick, I mentioned to you when we were talking about the games afterwards that Manchester City, uh, when I looked at the game and they were 2-0 down after about 60 minutes, I thought this game's got 3-2 written all over it. And I think everybody probably felt the same. Were you one of those? I didn't find out the score until afterwards. And that might be cynical and it might be a bitter old man and everything, but I just, Abu Dhabi in Europe, it's just, I'm not interested. And did they have to have Leipzig every year in their group? Is that part of the conditions? Oh, don't do that, Rick, because that's why th- that that's the reasoning that you are giving for keeping changing on, keep changing the oh, format right, of yeah. the Champions League because you know it's the same old fixtures every year. So I agree with you, but then you fall into that trap of, oh, but what's the alternative? It means that I fall into that camp. Do I want to be in that camp? It's a difficult one. But, is but there, I agree is, with you. Is there anything? Uh, less inspiring as a football match than Manchester City playing in Europe. It's just, yeah, it happened. Not that I've got an agenda or anything. I mean, to be honest, Rick, it, it doesn't help that they've been put in a group with Leipzig, Young Boys and Red Star Belgrade. There I mean, there's go. nothing there that excites you whatsoever. But TNT Sports still decide to put them on their main channel, even though that like PSG Newcastle was probably the more game that would capture the imagination from fans. But... Tom, I'll come to you. I mean, it it was just, well, I say as straightforward as it gets. It wasn't because they were 2-0 down. So by definition, they had to pull it round. But you never really felt that this was a shock that they managed to turn it around. No, they were just testing themselves, making sure they're still up to speed. Because Leipzig are a decent side. Yeah, 
it's just yawn, move on. There's nothing exciting to say about them. They just do what they need to do. I'm genuinely, yeah, I I really don't have much for it. It was just one of the Champions League fixtures of all time. Touching on the fixture thing, though, I do actually, I disagree with the fact that, yes, we get the same fixtures, but I don't think we should change it. Because if you don't get the same fixtures, you don't create rivalries. I mean, this one's a bit more one-sided, but if you get Bayern versus United in the group stage all the time, you're going to get a rivalry going eventually between those two. Or even even United-Galatasaray, for example. There's that awful home leg where, admittedly, Galatasaray... Did they win? I can't remember. Yeah, they did. They did. So they won. Obviously, United now go there with a purpose, and also they've been mismanaged, etc. Um, they've got a reason to go at each other now there's a there's a rivalry brewing it's what you want in sport you want rivalry as much as there's tribalism which is too much but rivalry is great like i enjoy playing against dortmund and barcelona now as well because there's a little bit of a rivalry with the with the four nil comeback barcelona now don't like us even real madrid i can't stand real madrid now simply because of the champions league you don't get that if you don't get the same fixtures well let's talk exactly about that then because He's referenced it, Rick. Manchester United, Galatasaray. A rivalry, certainly in this group, because with Copenhagen getting a point now in Munich, it's suddenly just it's just made things much more interesting, not from your point of view, but certainly from a neutral point of view going into the final game. Um, in terms of last night, Rick, what? discuss what happened. <laughs> I have because a... it must it seems to me that it was both good and bad in equal yep. measure. Because to go there 3-1 up in that atmosphere, great. But it's obviously what unfolded after that. Yeah, it's, it's hanging on to a, a two-goal lead in Europe. Clearly is is beyond Manchester United. You can't score a goal in the Premier League and can't stop scoring goals. You score three goals in three away games in the Champions League and don't progress through, then you've got to ask serious questions serious questions about whether it's a mentality thing I really don't know there is a rivalry with uh, Galatasaray it's nice for the one one positive thing to come out of that fixture is uh, none of the, none of the United players got battened by the police which makes a nice change traveling to Galatasaray harking back to the the good old days of uh, King Eric but it was yeah it was it was a great game to watch I would imagine I said to my, I was watching it with my son, and I said to him after Garnacho scored, I said, "Please stop it just now, just stop it. I don't want to see any more. I don't want to have to go through any more of this." And you just, it's Manchester United in Europe, isn't it? You know exactly what's gonna, what's gonna, gonna happen. And it's great for you lot, but I didn't enjoy it very much. So I'm not sure if it is good for us because being supporters, Tom, see if you agree, of a team that's in the Europa League. I'm not sure if I'd want necessarily United to come down and join us because then suddenly you've just got to be a little bit careful with where you're directing your um, your mocking towards the boys from Manchester in red because then it could come back to bite us on the ass. Yeah, I am seriously hoping they either come last or second. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. If we have to play them, I'm really not looking forward to it at all. So fingers crossed. Um it either goes catastrophically wrong in the final game against Bayern at home. Because that's all it uh, is. That's all United have got to do to get through. Is results 
and the other game's got to be a draw, and United have got to beat Bayern Munich. Brilliant. I will give you some form of hope. It looks like, at least from a statistical point of view, that Bayern really struggled against Copenhagen, and I don't think Bayern did that well against you in the home leg either. So I think you've got a chance. I think Bayern just simply have the individual quality to do things. There was a funny team, side, Tom, because yeah. I think the general consensus in in Germany at the moment is that because Thomas Tuchel's such a divisive figure, I think there's sort of a divide there, certainly in Munich, about whether or not he is actually the right man. And obviously, when you look at player for player, and now they brought in Kane and the start that he's had, I think they're expected to be a lot further clear than obviously where they are. Xabi Alonso's Leverkusen and are sort of keeping up the pace with them. But I do agree that just, there's just something not quite right. They can certainly turn it on, but then they do get those stale fixtures, which happened against Copenhagen at home, as you've just referenced. Yeah. And they're already out the uh, German cup as well. They lost two one away to Saarbrücken. So they've already to who? <laughs> oh, Saarbrücken. Very good. Banana rack. You don't Maybe know isn't on that's pod, right or not, have... do you? have to ask. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, they are a weird team, and I don't think they're as good as people make them out to be, but they are still a threat due to the sheer quality in their side with obviously Kane, Sané. Well, the list could go on Tell whatever you want to say. Even their defence is, is magnificent, so it's down to individual quality because I don't think Tuchel's doing a great job despite them being, well, 10 wins from 12 in the league. Um, they're out the cup. And they've not made absolute mincemeat of this group as they should have. So it'll be an interesting game. And I think United have still got a chance. Thank you, Tom. That's my level-headed one. Now I want a 6-0 United loss, please. So what about Arsenal then, gentlemen? Because they seem to have a very smooth evening yesterday evening. Rick, they finally qualified because they did have a sticky start to this group. They lost. I think they lost in France to Lons yeah. in the first game. But... Uh, Six goals, six different scorers, 5-0 up at half-time. I mean, it's as comfortable as it gets, isn't it, for Arsenal yesterday? Yeah. Or whenever it was. It's, it's, the, uh, yeah, it's, it's the result that I wish had happened in hell, but sadly it didn't. So uh, the arse go marching, marching on. And the only question about that group now, the only thing left, uh, left hanging is whether or not Sevilla make it into the, their competition where they're so successful it's, in the Europa League. It's unlikely as well, isn't it? Because they have two points. Yeah, I don't think they're doing that. But I'm not sure well. if it's head-to-head or not, or whether they can get it on goal difference. Do you know that, Tom? Um, it is off of head-to-head first, and they are playing Lons away um, in their final fixture. And I'm just trying to go back and find the Lons fixture. I think they so, drew. Yeah, they, they drew 1-1. One, yeah. one. So this could come that, well, they would have to win to... Do yeah. it basically because it, yeah, it's weird. It doesn't operate off goal difference, so it's winner takes all. Basically, Lons will be sat there praying. Just to a quick, God that... just a quick point on that, um, boys. Tom, I'll start with you. Do you prefer head to head? I think that's a much better way of doing it than goal difference. If you're, if you end up being behind a team that you've beaten twice over a season, but they've got a better goal difference than you, so they're above you in the table. I think a head to head makes much more sense. Personally. It makes more sense. It makes the table tidier is the only thing that I will say in its favour. But I do agree head-to-head makes more sense because otherwise it's a case of who can beat 
Burnley the most and Sheffield United yeah. the most and Luton the most and actually Liverpool. Um, so, yeah, it, I think head to head's a much, a much better system. What about you, Rick? Head to head? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I have nothing more to add, my lud. I agree. Excellent. Well, what a lovely place to round up that European flavour offering that we have for you this evening. Um, Tom, do you want to just quickly touch base on the Europa League action tonight or shall we just move swiftly on? Are you expecting a smooth evening at Anfield? Yeah, to be honest. Uh, I don't want to sound cocky and I've not been cocky at all as a Liverpool fan this year, but I think this will be the first time where I can comfortably say that we will win. We handled Toulouse at home. They were solid and we found out in the away leg that they are indeed a good side. But um, Lask didn't really show too much in a fully rotated uh, Liverpool side in the uh, the away fixture. So I think we'll comfortably deal with them in uh, in the return fixture. They are only third in their league as well. Still five points behind Salzburg and Sturm Graz. So they're not exactly setting the world on fire domestically either. So I think it could be a nice 3-0, 3-1. Are you expecting it to be too big a lask for the Austrians, Rick? I I think that the Austrians may well have the last lask of the evening. Don't you come at me, punmeister. I'll come straight back at you. Uh, yeah. No, usual thing. Liverpool playing, so come on the opposition, whoever they may be. <laughs> come on, lask, says come Rick. Come on, lask. <laughs> Lifelong supporter, obviously. Right then, Premier League time. We've got time to shoot through these predictions ahead of the weekend there is no friday night action i don't believe uh it's preston qpr in the championship so we'll just shoot straight over that one and start with the three o'clocks because there's a eight o'clock fixture on saturday so we'll start with the three o'clocks rick we'll start with you then it was a comfortable home win for the arse on wednesday will it be a comfortable home win for the arse on saturday afternoon wolves come to the emirates no I think Wolves, uh, I've just, this season, contrary to uh, every prediction in Tom Bailey's prediction league, where he's got Wolves in the bottom three, I think. I was waiting for this. I know. <laughs> I didn't realise you hated them so much. I actually, I've been impressed with Wolves, considering that they're doing all this without a centre forward. And with a continual stream of letters of apology from Pogmol. Every week they seem to get one go against them. So, uh, no, I've, I've been impressed with uh, the Wolverhamptons and uh, I, I think they'll come out of this with, with something. I think they'll, uh, they may well find themselves getting a draw out of this one. Short, sweet, that's what it is. It's just, it's, I don't want to waste too much time talking about the Lego men. Tom Bailey? For reference viewers, uh, well, listeners, um, I don't hate Wolves. It's just I didn't think they'd be like very it. good. I just didn't think they'd be very good at the start of the season. Um, you know what, it... Tom? I think what I might do is, once all the Christmas fixtures out of the way, I will publish your topic Christmas table uh, on the social media of Three Valleys and just let people have their own opinions on what you've managed to muster up. I think that would be quite cool. Uh, see, at the same time, you'd have to have access to my top of Christmas table, and I don't think I want to share that anymore. I've been too kind to Brighton and I've been too harsh on uh, Wolves. I've also been too friendly to Sheffield United. They should be at the bottom on zero. And instead, I've somehow given them a win. Although, well, they've had one. But anyway. 
Tom, um, just cutting in, I think you're absolutely fine to do that because if we're being absolutely honest with ourselves, I think if it was based on Rick and Aidy's table, <laughs> Manchester United yeah. would be about 15 points clear at the top of the table. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Liverpool in seventh at the moment. So as a Liverpool fan... You've you gone know, too... You've gone too... You've doubled down and gone I'm too, too far the other way. Yeah. I'm too pessimistic. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a tricky one to call. I was too harsh on West Ham at the start, but I've picked them back up, so... Maybe I'll get one or two right. I don't know. But back to the real world, uh, Arsenal versus Wolves, I think should be... Wolves will make it harder than the scoreline will seem, but I do think it's going to be a 3-1 Arsenal. I think they'll just have too much for them, as much as Wolves are defying my odds, at least. I think they'll just be too good for them. And uh, Wolves will put on a good show and just put this one behind them. I say this every every week now, but I think I think Arsenal will edge a tight game, and poor old Gary O'Neill, you'll be able to see him leaving the stadium and uh, escaping in his car. I think and never looking back because you just get the feeling that there's something something is going to go against them there, um, where he's going to be tearing his hair out, what he's got left of it, and who can blame him? Maybe some of the decisions that have gone against Wolves, I do feel sorry for them, but. Rick, where, where do you stand on what's been going on with the decisions against Wolves? Because there was some talk this week about the fact that Gary O'Neill was not really saying the right things because, you know, if, if those decisions that were wrong were, were going for him, you wouldn't say anything. But I think that's kind of a flawed argument because Isn't that... you only really complain about stuff that goes yeah. against you just by the nature of That's the nature of the beast, isn't it? If it's going yeah. your way, you don't complain about it because you... yeah. No one's going to do that, are you? Unless you're Ange Postacoglu, who just seems to get everything right. Mate, yeah, if, if, if you hope that things even themselves out, even with the marvellous technologies that we've got now, you still hope that over the course of a season you'll get as many go your way as you get go against you. I mean, speaking as a, as a supporter of a club that's been pretty much smacked on the bottom by VAR most weeks this season, uh, I, I have every sympathy with it. Stick with you then, Rick. Brentford Luton. Can Luton try and get a back-to-back against a Brentford team where you're not quite sure what you're going to get with them, but maybe this is one on paper that they'll fancy to sort of kickstart things from their perspective again? Yeah, I, th- I think Brentford will have too much from Brentford. We're un- unlucky to come, come away with a defeat against uh, against the arse last week it was uh, that was a that was a robbery, a daylight robbery. So no, I th- I think Brentford will have have too much from them. It won't be easy because Luton are getting the hang of this uh, this Premier League malarkey now, and you know they're not they're not pushovers by any means. But I, th- I think Brentford will nick it by the odd goal. Probably uh, be nice to see if it's two one, but I suspect it will be one nil to Brentford. Tom, I agree that Brentford will win. I'm going to go two nil. Pretty much what Rick has said. It's not going to be easy, but I do think they'll have too much. Um, a two nil. Seems seems fair enough, and it'll probably look harsher on Luton than it should be. I'm sort of in that camp as well, Tom. I think I think I'm going to go for a three nil, three nil Brentford. I think Luton will probably you know play play well, but I think if Brentford get the first goal, then they'll probably start to then show their quality and have a little bit too much, too much for Luton. But I'm going to stick with you, Tom, because I'm assuming that you're going to tell me that this oh. is an absolute shoe in. For last on match of the day, Burnley and Sheffield United. But let me ask it the first question in another way, Tom. If Burnley 
don't get anything out of this game, the writing surely on the wall if it isn't already. Would that be fair? In terms of the season, or or yeah. in terms of Vincent Company? Um, definitely in terms of the season. I think in in terms of Vincent Company, I think they'll probably give him the chance based on the stuff that we've spoken about before. But if they end up on four points come January, then I think a decision probably then would be made. I think I'd agree with that. Yeah, if they don't win, then their season's done. Uh, I would agree as well. They this is a a must must win. I've actually not seen any of these fixtures um until you're telling me them so i literally clicked on to fort mob as soon as you said this and i sank in my seat a bit and because they're both so rubbish i think it's going to be a barnstormer and i think it's going to be burnley three sheffield united two tom's learned his lesson because he used to go the other way and now he's gone gone into my line of thinking with the goals 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 what goals 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 <laughs> to who i think that Sheffield Wednesday are quite possibly the worst team I've seen in the Premier League for a long time. You can't say that. Sheffield Wednesday are the worst team you've seen. They're so bad at the bottom of the championship. I know. I meant Sheffield United. As well you know, (laughs) (laughs) Sheffield Wednesday. I'm sure sure the Sheffield fans will be absolutely fine with that. (laughs) The city of Sheffield, both your teams are rubbish. All three of them are rubbish. (laughs) Shut your face. I think... How can you possibly... I can't possibly give an opinion. I've just disqualified myself from having any 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 reason to make a prediction anyway, haven't I? I don't even know who's playing. I think Sheffield Wednesday will lose. I'm not <laughs> sure who they're playing. But uh, Sheffield United are poor. Burnley are poorer. And <laughs> I think it's going to be... There are, it's either going to be... You know, it's going to be one of those games that's either 5 all. Or nil-nil. <laughs> They're both going to be so incompetent defensively, but does that mean that they've got the attack that can score a lot of goals? So I don't know. I, I'll go 5 or <laughs> Okay, AD Hopper. Because I um, suspect I'll be wrong, and at least now I know I'll be wrong. Desmond, baby. Desmond, 2-2. Two, two. Same sort of line of reasoning, really, like you, you've said there, but just not as many as five apiece. Um, can I, rep- I can I change? I think it'll be three or okay because <laughs> that's that's just as likely, isn't it? That's a much sen- more sensible gone. choice. We've all gone goals, goals, goals. We have. It's bloody it's so. I think by definition, we're saying not last, not last on match of the day. No. Yeah. Maybe that will go to the next one. Nottingham Forest, Everton. Rick, has this got tones of last on match of the day, depending on how well how we've just said that the other games are likely to go. Do you know, despite coming out on the wrong end of a, a magnificent victory from the Manchester Reds last weekend, I've actually been quite impressed with Everton, the way they've been playing. They had plenty of opportunities in the last 20 minutes of the first half to put uh, put United to bed, really. And I, I, Daishi's got too much to be involved in a relegation battle with with that side for too long. I think Everton are going to win that. Two goals to one goal, despite the fact that Nottingham Forest are quite, are actually very good at home. But I just, I think Everton, they're stoked up at the moment, aren't they? So I, th- I fancy them for that. Yeah, Tom, I, I think that Nottingham Forest are one of the harder teams to predict in this division. Would you, would you go along with that? Yeah, definitely. I don't know how to call them at all because they are good at home, but they also aren't guaranteed a win at home. 
you get lower league teams that we get like your Brentfords where they'll beat all the big teams at home and then there's just so rubbish away that it kind of balances itself out but Forrester are a really tricky one as much as I don't want to say this I think it's going to be uh, a 2-0 to Everton they have been pretty good and I am not happy about it but I think Forrest just won't have the momentum following their bright they'll be disappointing from their Brighton loss so yeah I would be surprised if it was if there was anything for Forrest in this one one apiece one apiece at the city ground I think I think you're absolutely right Rick I think when you actually take Everton's form uh, into consideration they're not actually doing too badly at all if you take that Man United game out of it Um, but Forrest as we've said you'd expect Forrest to go and win it and win it comfortably but when you start to predict that Forrest will get a comfortable win it they sort of really let you down quite significantly and it's trying times. to trying to justify that in your in your head you sort of get a feeling that yes Forrest should do well but then you try and work out why and it's just yeah I can't actually work out why Chris Chris Wood leading the line on his own pretty much at the moment the wood um, chopper Elanga is doing well but like you're asking a lot to he's almost their main source of goals at the moment and I don't know if you can sort of keep relying on that they've got a lot of players who probably should be scoring more goals than they actually are like gibbs white brilliant in midfield but unless he's gonna get given a penalty then you don't think he's likely to score from outside of outside of um close play so i don't know it's one 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 if in doubt get on the fence boys that's my motto whether it's worked for me or not i don't know i have to go back and do a table like tom bailey's done but maybe that wouldn't be very good viewing. I would have to have to see come the end of the season. As long as you're nicer to Wolves than he is. Thank you. Well, let's stick with United then, Rick. No, go to I'm Tom a... Bailey first, please. Thank you. I need time to think and compose <laughs> we'll myself. Give you, we'll give you some thinking time. Thank because you. I'm guessing, I'm guessing, Tom, that this is the game that should have been the 12.30 that's now the 8 o'clock, which seems to be a relatively new move. I'm sure that they never used to abandon the 12.30 and stick it at 8 o'clock in previous times. It seems to be a new thing that as long as the teams that agreed it with both teams obviously playing in Europe uh, the previous week. So uh, how, how do you see the game? Well, moving it from a 12.30 well, it, it will happen unless you're Liverpool. As we all know um, we are the lunchtime gurus according to the premier league so well um yeah we would have played this at twelve thirty. don't know why they've made them move it later but uh, it's not going to be a pleasant trip home for well i say that it's just a long drive home i'm going to say it's a one all to be honest i think united despite having a 3-3 midweek i think there are signs of life um and the the performance against Everton, while not trying to think of the word, they weren't dominant, but as professional, and you need that when you're trying to grind out results. So I think they'll do enough. They'll get a goal early on. Newcastle get a goal back, and then they will just struggle, and it will be a slog fest. I think it's going to be one-one. You want me to come in first, Rick? If you wish. Go on. So goals, I- goals, goals. So I think you you might come on out of the right side of a two one win here. I know we've, like Aidy mentioned it uh, on Monday, I think it was when it was like, oh, we've been saying for a while that Man United are all, it's all doom and gloom. But actually, you look at the table; they're only six points off top. But I think when you're actually 
think about it, we've probably been distracted by their their re- certainly not necessarily performances, but results in Europe, which probably made it seem that they were doing worse than what the reality was, and maybe possibly Rick as well. It was just because of the the fact that it was the odd goal win here and there, and maybe that kind of changes your your mind a little bit on how you think its team is doing. Whereas actually, like you referenced, they were top of the form table and and going on all right and. Newcastle, you're not quite sure what you're going to get, particularly when they've come off the back of of Europe. So I don't know. You might actually catch them at a good time here. So I'm going to say one two. Over to you, Rick. To to start with, uh, do you know? I do know why the game has been moved from a potential twelve thirty to uh, an eight o'clock. Apparently, Jason Tindall's got a one o'clock session at Tanzaras, which they couldn't move, so they changed the fixture so that he can uh, top up the mahogany. So that's why it's a later kickoff. <laughs> and uh, um, Newcastle had. Did they have three goalkeepers on the bench when uh, against PSG? So they're they're thin and on they the ground. Cer- they certainly they certainly had two, and then they had three teenagers, didn't they? I think. One of one of the lads he played last week, and the TV coverage didn't have a picture of him to put on the team lineups at the start. So. He's that young. But then United have got Kobi Mainu, who came in and did a fantastic job and will probably make the Euro 24 squad now. He's that good. But I, th- I think, I, yeah, I'd like to... I don't think there's a case for head over heart or anything. I, Manchester United will be victorious by two goals to zero goals. Now, in fact, they'll make it 3-1 because the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the Saudis will always get a... Get a goal up in uh, in barcode land, but uh, I, yeah, I fancy United to win it by because because United are so good at hanging on to two goal leads. They've they've proven that this is this is their strength. And let's face it, uh, the, the Saudis are no no Galatasaray, are they? So uh, yeah, United, the real United will come out on top in this one. I've only just seen Newcastle's injury list. Everyone's complaining about Spurs, and rightfully they complained about United's as well. Yeah. Um. Newcastle, they've obviously got Tonali suspended. They've got uh, Botman out until December. Long, Well, that's actually could be deceiving because they're saying early December, which is like next week. Yeah. But they've got Botman out, Longstaff out, Target out, Willock out, Murphy, Barnes, Krath, um, Anderson, Byrne and Wilson all out. And Isaac's only just come back. As you said with the bench, I just looked at their bench. They had uh, two goalkeepers, three of them I've never heard of. Paul Dummett, who should be nowhere near a Champions League squad, and Lewis Hall. That's it. It's a really threadbare squad at the moment. So he's doing, Eddie Howe's doing well. I mean, Lewis Miley's 17 and he's starting in the Champions League. Talented player, sure. But you don't start if you've got your full yeah. team fit. So credit to Eddie Howe. But no points. Well, just seeing... No points Sorry. to Eddie Howe. Give him credit, but zero points on Saturday. Thank you. I'm just looking at Sunday's fixtures and I've suddenly gone... Oh my goodness, there's one, two, three, four, five games still to get through. Uh, so let's um, let's start with an opening two o'clock offering, which is Bournemouth Villa. Rick, we'll stick with you. Can Bournemouth, Tom's favourite team, I think, Bournemouth, um, can they do something here against Villa, who uh, seem to be flying at the moment up to fourth now? You wouldn't think so, would you? Because Villa are flying at the moment, as, as you so rightly said, Mr Pryor. Uh, I think Villa should should have enough to uh, to get past Bournemouth. They've been on a great little run, actually, Bournemouth. But it's, you do feel it's going to end sooner or later. And 
Yeah, let's let's hope for the uh, the manager's job because he he's been there for six weeks longer than he should have been, hasn't he, Thomas? No comment. I did. I, was that was I right in thinking that you uh, you predicted he was going to be collecting his P forty five a long time ago? And not a long time ago, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, sure. The international breaks made it feel longer than it ah, should have been. Yeah, there you go. It's only been two he should, games he should, he should be the new Sheffield United manager by now, shouldn't he, Tom, on your prediction? <laughs> Heckenbottom should have gone ages ago. <laughs> he should have gone ages ago, yeah. <laughs> the fact he didn't go after 8-0 is, is enough for me to say, yeah, they don't know what's going on there. I I assume it's my go. I'm going I'm to jump in anyway. Take um, it. I am going to say uh, Bournemouth nil, Villa 4, because they have been bloody marvellous, Villa, taking away the Forest result. They've been insane. They're two points off the top and they're looking mighty competitive. And as much as Spurs start the season strong, they're still a good team despite their uh, recent form. Bournemouth, two good wins, but they played Sheffield United and, well, okay, Newcastle, that's a good win. But yeah, I think they'll be fine. 4-0 Villa. 1-3 for me, 1-3, but pretty much for the same reasons that you've just outlined. I think Bournemouth seems to have found... A little bit of the rhythm. Solanke seems to know where the back of the net is um, all of a sudden. He's having a good season. But Villa, they just seem to... Their attacking threat at the moment is so good. And they've got so many options when you're bringing the likes of Tielemans off the bench as well. Just to be able to add to that creativity in midfield. I think think they'll have too much. So so 1-3 for me. But uh, Rick, an opportunity to talk about the hipster's choice. Because... It's Brighton, but they go to Chelsea where you just don't know, again, what you're going to get. So, how do you see this one? Where are you, where are you hedging your bets? The Graham Potter derby. The, the Bruno derby. Indeed. I think that I've, I'm going for, if you're going to nick my hipster catchphrase, I'm going to nick your Desmond I take your hipster and I raise you a Desmond. I think it's going to be a a 2-2. Because Chelsea can't be as bad as they were last time out. And hopefully Brighton, another team with a a ridiculously long injury list, will start to get a few players players back. And yeah, I can see this one being goals, 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 goals. Four of them. Count them. Four goals in a two-all draw. Don Bailey? I've actually gone... Mainly because I need to balance up my Brighton predictions. I've gone for a Chelsea 1-0 win. And I don't know why. They were awful at Newcastle, so maybe there'll be some bounce-back ability. Um, but yeah, I've got it as a 1-0 Chelsea. Um, they have no Lewis Dunk, who's super important. And Sufati is an unknown departure. We don't know how long he's going to be out. And the same for Tariq Lamptey. Uh, Esti Pinion's still out as well, and they've got, a, well, just a bunch of injuries. If you've got to play James Milner, then you're in trouble. So I think it's going to be a Chelsea win. I agree. I think it's I think it's going to be 2 on Chelsea. Um, I'm saying that with no certainty whatsoever because it's Chelsea, and by definition, when you predict a Chelsea game, finger in the air and see which way the wind blows, I think. So, um, yeah, I think they're, I think they're probably just about going to be able to capitalise on Brighton playing in Europe and the injuries that they've got, like you say, Tom, they're slowly creeping up on Brighton. I think they lost 
two of those players that you referenced inside the first half of their game last weekend. And I think they might just start to tail off a little bit. So, uh, yeah, 2-1 Chelsea for me. I think I'm going to kick off the next one. You don't have to worry about it, Rick. It's Liverpool-Fulham. And Liverpool tend to really turn it on at home at the moment, particularly with these games. So with the run of form that Fulham are in, Tom Bailey, I can't see anything different than, say, a Liverpool 4-0 win here. Ooh, I, I see a Liverpool win. I don't see four it nil. 4 <laughs> Salah penalty. Salah <laughs> gets the penalty. And Liverpool will then go on and win 4-0. Rick Hyatt's talking. <laughs> I have said uh, 2-1. Fulham will be buoyant following their win on Monday that we so uh, we gave... Uh, extreme coverage on here at three valleys they'll be good and i think we'll be tired from thursday so i'm gonna say two one i think we'll batter them but just not score absolutely boring i know i I think that um fulham are going to be celebrating because They've Come on, give us a p- proper prediction. Think they've... of your table. <laughs> just What's nice. actually going to happen, Rick Hyatt? <laughs> I just, I just feel for Fulham. Tell it's, me. It's, it's just nice. you and me now. There's no one else here. It's just you and me. Okay. First of all, I think Fulham are going to be very happy that you've remembered that they exist this week and you've decided to include <laughs> their fixture in, in the predictions. I think that makes Sorry, a nice man. change. They are the Sorry, team Mark, in okay. form. They are playing very well. And I think it's going to be 2-0 to Fulham. Oh, sorry, 2-1, because there will be a Salah penalty, obviously. So, uh, yes, I th- yes, 2-1 to, uh, to, to Fulham. Okay. Does that make Fair you enough. happy? Are you happy now? Um, it's your prediction. What you think is what you think, Rick. Uh, nothing I can do will, will change that. Stop <laughs> being so nasty to me. I think Fulham are going to win 2-1. <laughs> well, we've got around about five minutes to discuss the final two. So... Uh, Tom, I'll start with you. West Ham Palace in a London derby. 2-0 West Ham. I, I don't have much to say about Palace at all. And I think West Ham will win in midweek. So they should have some momentum. So 2-0 West Ham. They've been in a good run of form in the league as well. So 2-0. I have nothing else on that. Jared Bowen's I think out, I'd probably... he? Is he going to be back? Oh, is he out? I think so. Uh, saying he's doubtful. Mm. So there's a chance he plays. If that's a fantasy football doubtful and it says that he's 25% chance of being fit, chances are he'll start Rick Hyatt. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, thing is, I only see bad things for Crystal Palace now because uh, my fantasy team has a Crystal Palace double up in defence. So that means that obviously last week they shipped goals for fun. So that was, that was nice. Cheers for that, boys. Uh, 2-1 to the Mighty Hammers. I think I'd have to agree with both of you, though. I'll just stick an extra goal in there for when Kudus comes off the bench. So just go crazy. 3-1 West Ham. <laughs> 3-1 West Ham for me. Goals, 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 as you rightly point out. Well, do you want me and to go first And that's all we've got time one? for, so uh, moving swiftly <laughs> on. Thank you very much. Join, do join us next week. There's nothing to talk about, nothing to see here. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know where to start with the question, really, because will Tottenham go four games without a win? Or shall I say four games with a defeat? Or will Manchester City be able to um, kickstart after getting a draw last weekend? Tom, I will throw it to you first because 
Tottenham don't seem to have too bad a record at the Etihad, do they? It's just whether or not they'd be able to to keep City out. They've got a much better record at home, but obviously they're not at home, so this means nothing. Um, Were they 2-0 I'm... up last year and lost at the Etihad? I think they seem to remember something like that. Yes, and that was Conte um City sorry that was Conte Spurs as well where they mm. were stinky but um, stinky Spurs <laughs> stinky Spurs yeah um I'm going to go a City win and it's going to be 3-1 because Spurs will be wide open and concede because City are clinical and boring Do you want me to go next Rick? Pardon? Do you want me to go next? Yes you can go next if you so wish I'm going Manchester City 5, Spurs 2. Blimey. Ooh. I think it's going to be a super, super Sunday. Well, it's a 4.30 game, so I assume it's the Sky game on, on half past four. I think it might be a similar thing where Spurs go 1-0 up, 2-1 up, and then the second half, City will just stroll on, similar to what they did in midweek. And then the, the high line will probably, they'll probably get battered by it at the Etihad I would suspect as much as I don't necessarily want to see that so 5-2 for me because they're still a little bit tasty at the other end. Rick Hyatt to finish things off tonight. Do you know what's really annoying is the fact that I can see the logic in what you've just said Yeah. (laughs) That's just so mad Uh, The important thing about Manchester City is uh, I'm surprised that Tom hasn't mentioned this and fans of Rick Hyatt Bingo on the predictions will know what's coming up now Apparently, right at the end. You've got two minutes. It's next autumn, isn't it, that the uh, the decision's going to be made on the 115 charges against Manchester City for cheating. So uh, that's not got nothing to do with this game at all. Spurs are back to being Spursy. Madison isn't fit. Son always scores against Manchester City. So I think it'll be 3-1 to Saudi Arabia. And on that note... Abu Dhabi. I think it's... I've, got, I've, I've got my nasty regimes mixed up. I do apologise. You got to be careful then that you don't sound like one of the oh one of those. Yeah, no, I don't mean that at all. Yeah. (laughs) No, we know what you mean, and we'll see if that comes to fruition over the weekend. But with only a minute and a half to go, it only just gives us chance to say bon voyage to everybody. So, uh, Rick Hyatt, I'll start with you. Thank you very much, and we will wait to see whether or not your predictions come to fruition. Always a pleasure, and uh, yes, most of those predictions will be wrong, but I do I do think Wolves will do better than than other members of the panel seem to think. Tom Bailey, thank you very much as always, and we look forward to hearing your dulcet tones on the airways on Sunday afternoon. If you don't fancy tuning into ITBX, yes, I'm looking forward to it. Fingers crossed, the signal holds up, and, or maybe uh... do both. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, listen to us afterwards. If you want to hear our thoughts about 20 seconds afterwards, then yeah, (laughs) go for it. It will be great. And it's a good night from me, Dave Pryor, as you've been listening to Football Bloody Hell.